Thank you, Brian. If you would, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. We will be reading from there this morning. Our passage will be from there this morning. Just as a reminder as well, we are having our Christmas Eve service tomorrow night, and so we hope that uh, you will be joining us for that, you and your family. Um, That's always a a special evening for us uh, to get together as family and to celebrate Christmas as well, and so we look forward to having you all there uh, tomorrow. The last couple of weeks, we have been looking at the Christmas story and kind of making our way through it, And and Two weeks ago, we looked at the message delivered to Joseph that Emmanuel was coming, that God with us was going to be here. And we talked about what a marvelous thing it is that God had looked down upon his creation, looked down upon people and desired to have a relationship. And we walk through life knowing as believers that God does not leave us, but rather that he desires to be with us and that he has shown that through this baby through the baby that is born at this time of year, and then through what that baby grows up as as God in flesh grows up to sacrifice himself on the cross for our sakes. Then last week we talked about the story of the wise men coming and, and just the marvelous way that God orchestrates all things for his glory and all things for his purposes as Mary and Joseph didn't even know that they were in danger from Herod and yet... God provides for this family that had little to no means. God provides through these wise men who started the journey a year and a half, two years before the birth that they came and were able to give them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh, very valuable things so that this family could escape danger. And uh, it was just, it's an incredible reminder to us as well that God, as we, As we go through our lives, God is continually watching over us and that he is working things out, things that we cannot even imagine, things that we cannot even begin to fully understand so that we may fulfill this plan and this path that he has laid out before us. This week we are looking at the message, or at least part of the message, that the angels delivered on the night of Jesus' birth and how this message of peace is a message of joy. And so hopefully by now you found Luke chapter 2. We're going to be starting in verse 8. So if you would stand, if you're able, that we may honor the reading of God's word this morning, then we'll do that together. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning. And we are reminded of many things as we read this passage. We're reminded of your glory 
we're reminded of your wisdom. We're reminded of your strength and your power. And Father, we are reminded of the relationship that you desire to have with us and all that it brings with it. Father, I pray this morning that we would set aside the busyness of this season. Lord, it is it is a glorious time and it is a wonderful time, but Lord, it, it is also a busy time. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to put those things off to the side for a moment, that you would help us to look at your word, that you would help us to hear the message that you have for us from it, Lord, that it would encourage our hearts, that it would lead to great worship, that it would lead to great witness of who you are and how you love us and how you love those that we come into contact with. Father, I pray that this Christmas that we would be reminded of the great things that you have done. We pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Out of all of the Christmas story that we hear so often, in the Western culture, this is probably the most recognizable part, right? We, most folks, when you ask them about Christmas, they can tell you about the shepherd and the angels. And it really is quite the scene to think about. When we think about these shepherds sitting outside of Jerusalem, watching over their sheep, And you can imagine with me maybe that they're making fun of all the city people who are busy going around and they're thankful that they don't live in town because I'm sure you've never heard that before. But they're thankful that they don't live in town and that they're not dealing with that that evening. But rather they can sit out on this hill and it just be peaceful. It's quiet. They're watching over their sheep and nothing's bothering them. And then in the midst of all of that this angel appears and scares these guys to the point where the angel's like, calm down, okay? And he gives them this great message of hope. He gives them this great message of joy that is to be for all people. And after that message is delivered with him, the sky just breaks open and there are hundreds and hundreds of angels standing beside him. They're all singing this great praise Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he has pleased. It's, a, it's this great celebration of all of heaven over what is occurring in the town of Bethlehem. It's exciting stuff. It's memorable stuff. It's a great story. It's why we tell it over and over again. And yet I think we miss some of it sometimes. We forget it in the rest of the story. We forget The great message and what is being talked about and delivered here to not only these shepherds, but to us. And so this morning, we're just going to focus just briefly on one little part of this message. In verse 14, in that great praise that the angels sing, it says, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among those who is pleased. That word peace there strikes a chord with us. It is something that we all desire we all want peace but what peace means can look radically different to each one of us for some of us peace looks like 
an afternoon or a day on the beach with no one bothering you. For some of us, it's being on the river fishing, or for others, it's just simply a day at home without children um, and without the craziness of life. That's peace. But the angels here are speaking of something much grander. And the great thing is that the message of the angels is linked with the message of Isaiah. The message of the angels is linked with the message of Isaiah. Isaiah, so many years before this event occurs, back in Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah is, through the Holy Spirit, speaking about the Messiah. He's speaking about a Savior that's to come, something that's going to happen in the future. And he begins to describe him and describe what's going to happen when he arrives. And he gives us little tidbits and little hints at things. And then in verse 7, he begins to tell us the names of Christ. And some of the, the names that this child, this Messiah will be called. And one of those names is Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. Because with the Messiah will come something like we have never seen before. With him comes true peace. Not only do we see the angels declare peace, and not only do we see Isaiah declare peace, but we see them declare that this is a work of God. This is not simply the coming of a king, the coming of a man to bring peace on earth, but rather this is a work of God doing this. He and he alone can bring peace. And so the angels sing glory to God in the highest. Why are they singing again? Well, we've already talked about it, but peace was finally here. They sing these praises. They sing this great glory. They sing with all of their might because something like we had never seen before, something that humanity could, not, could only imagine was occurring. It was the unfolding of a plan that had, began, had started at the beginning of time. It was the apex of what God has intended for us, this coming of a child. And he brought with him peace. But like I said earlier, that can look a lot different to a lot of different people. So what are they speaking of here? Well, in order to understand that, we have to understand what happens before Christ. We have to understand what, what was going on before Christ that they are so that the angels are so excited about this Prince of Peace, about this Messiah coming. Well, first, we need to understand that before Christ, enmity between God and man is unavoidable. Before Christ, enmity between God and man was unavoidable. What do I mean by that? Well, when you look at the Old Testament and you start in Genesis, what you see unfold over and over again is that man has a desire to rebel. We see it start with Adam and Eve, and in the garden they have this perfect relationship with God, and, and it's something that you and I really can't imagine, really can't begin to understand, but they were close in a way that, that we hope and we look forward to being with him one day. But even in the midst of that, they make a choice. They make a choice to rebel. They make a choice to do the one thing that he told them not to do. And in doing so, they open a Pandora's box of horrors that brings with it all kinds of things. And we see it unfold through, from there out as man continues to walk farther and farther away 
from that from the God that created them, from the God that loves them. We see it in the very next story where Cain murders his own brother. We see it in the stories after that where at the Tower of Babel, the people come together and they rebel against God and they said, we're going to reach the heavens on our own. And God is, comes down and, and judges them and begins to scatter them across the face of the earth through the use of changing languages. We see it in Noah and the, and the story of the flood. We see it as God calls a people to himself and says, you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. And yet what do we see occur after that? We see rebellion after rebellion after rebellion after rebellion. And, it, and we see every time that when, when, God, when people rebel, when man rebels against God, we're reminded that God can't, God can't stand sin. That he's a just God. And that those that choose to sin, those that choose to follow a different path, that they find themselves the enemy of God. There is no peace in that situation. And in part, it's because the holy, there is a holy versus the unholy relationship going on here. We have a holy God who is perfect in everything he does, who is good and who is righteous. And in his justice and in his holiness, he cannot stand sin. He cannot be around it. He must judge it. Just as we have talked about many times before, a a human judge, a human judge, when he is presented with overwhelming evidence of the guilt of an individual would be wrong to set that person free. So a holy God would be wrong to set the sinner free, to set that person and not there not be consequences for breaking the holy law. There cannot be a relationship between the holy and the unholy. There cannot be peace between the holy and the unholy. It's kind of a dreary thing to think about. And the thing is, is that all of this, you may say, well, but there was relationships throughout all the Old Testament. You know, you look at Abraham and Noah and Moses and all these other folks. And you're right, there were relationships, but those relationships were based on a temporary sacrifice. They're based on temporary sacrifice. You see, as God gives the law, as he tells Israel this is the way you're to live one of the things that you cannot help but see is that in the law there is a need for sacrifice because only blood can cover the consequences of sin and over and over again the Israelites and the people of God had to do this sacrifice because it was temporary it was not eternal and though it may cover them for a moment they knew that they were going to have to come back in the near future to offer sacrifice again to make make payment for the consequences of the things that they had done wrong or of the right or of the things that they had not done that they knew were right it was a temporary system never meant to be permanent and so before Christ we find our play, ourselves in this place we find the people even the people of God finding themselves in a place where they are unholy, serving a holy God, and because of that there is strife. We find that, the, that when we are sinners, that we are enemies of God, and there is no peace there in that place. We find that even the law that is given is a temporary solution. 
This is why the angels come with such great enthusiasm. This is why the angels come with such great joy at the birth of the Savior. Because with Christ, all of this changes. All of it changes. They sing, peace is coming. Because now it is available to us. Now, rather than it being a temporary sacrifice, there will be an eternal sacrifice an eternal solution to our sin. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, only had to die once. He never, never has to go back to the cross. His blood is sufficient for us all. It is an eternal thing. Second, no longer is it a holy God comparing to an unholy people but it is the holy comparing to the holy the holy relating to the holy you see when we as believers put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ God imputes to us the righteousness of Christ in other words he puts Christ's righteousness on our account So that when he looks at us, no longer does he see a rebellious sinner, but rather he sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And that can never be taken away from you and I. That can never be stained, the righteousness of Christ. It is ours forever and ever. Now he looks at us and he sees a son and daughter, not an enemy. Because he is no longer looking at the unholy, but he is looking at the holy. Hebrews describes it this way. Now we are, can approach God. Before there was a great veil between us and God. There was an in, there was, God was not accessible. Because temporary solutions did not solve the ultimate problem. But through Christ, now that veil has been torn, we are told. Now we are able as believers to go into the holy presence of God. To plead before the throne. To worship before the throne. To have a relationship with him. This is the great thing about our salvation friends. That now we can have peace with him. Now there is not the strife of ongoing rebellion. But rather now when he sees us he sees his son. This is why we talk about that we can never lose our salvation because our salvation isn't based on our righteousness. Our salvation isn't based on what we can do. Our salvation isn't based on how good we are. Our salvation is based on who he was as a God incarnate and on his righteousness. And praise God, he lived a perfect life and he made the ultimate sacrifice for you and I. Now we can have, and that leads to the last thing, which is now no longer... Is being an enemy of God a foregone conclusion for man? But rather now, friendship is possible. Friendship with God is possible. Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 15. That he, and he calls them friends. He says, I'm not calling you servants. Because servants don't know what the master is doing. But rather, I call you friends. And I'm telling you these things so that you know what's going on. Have you ever thought about the mind-blowing reality of what he is saying? That now you and I can be friends with God? 
I've, I've told this story lots of times from here, but I'll tell it again. That was the heartbreaking thing. That was the mind-blowing thing in Madagascar. They believe that there is one God. They believe that there is one true God. And this isn't just Madagascar. This is all over Africa. They, they understand that there was a creator. But what they believe is that you cannot have a relationship with him, but rather he is a very distant God who is also very vengeful and that you must appease the spirits that have gone before you so that they'll give good report to this God above and that, so that he will send the rain when he needs to send it, so he'll give good crops when he needs to give it. And we walk into those places and they are terrified of God. They are terrified of what he's going to do. They're terrified of how he is against them. They're terrified that their actions will upset him or the spirits. And we think, oh, wow, what a way to live. But frankly, that's how lots of people, even in our country, see God. They see God as a vengeful God, an angry person sitting in heaven waiting to strike them. I always think about, we used to do a, a game night with the baseball team at HLG, and a lot of those guys at that time had never even, some of them have never been in a church, and we gathered them in, and we, we have this huge game night at church, and we were sitting there, and we were at the, the final table, and, and one guy was trying to win, and he screwed up in a way that, like, is just a boneheaded thing, and he screwed up, and he immediately let out a series of words that we cannot repeat here in front of children. And his response, as soon as the words came out of his mouth, he stopped and he looked up. And I was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, waiting. I was like, waiting for what? He's like, lightning? He's, and I'm like, dude, that's not how this works. <laughs> like, you're not going to be struck by lightning. But that's the way people view him. That's people the way people view God. The great story of Christmas is that God loves you. That God has made a way for there to be peace between you and God. That he has made a path where no longer do you have to be afraid. Of, no longer are we afraid of him. But rather we can call the God of all creation friend. Let that sink in for a moment. The God who parts the seas, the God who walks on water, the God who raises the dead for life calls you friend. Amen. That's something to sing about. That's why the angels celebrate, because now there is peace. There's great peace between man and God in a way that there never was before. It is something worth worshiping something worth celebrating so much so that the angels of heaven come to earth to proclaim it peace is a wonderful thing peace between us us and god is a wonderful gift and it carries us through some horrible things when we have peace with him it takes us through some of the worst parts of life I had a great uh, illustration this week. I was listening to the radio and a pastor was speaking. And so this is a pastor story and I'll let you interpret that way you will. But he was talking about how there was a contest and they called these two painters, these two famous painters in and they said, we want you to paint a picture of peace. We want you to paint what, what does peace mean? And the 
After several months, they come back and they put those paintings on display and the judges come to the first painting and it's just amazing. It's this picture of a beach and it's perfect white sands, little seashells, and the water is clear and it's still and there's sun in the sky and it's just this bright painting and there's these beautiful birds in the air and it's like you're there. And they're like, oh man, this guy got it. Like, this is peace. Like, we want to be there right now. Just laying on the sand, hearing the breeze. Like, man, this is perfect. And they actually talked among themselves, and they're like, you know what, we, we shouldn't even look at this other guy's painting, because this guy nailed it. But we're judges, and so let's look at the next painting. And they go over to the next painting, and what they're met with is something drastically different than the first the second painting it's the same beach but it's a storm and the waves are whipping and they're high and they're white caps and they look dangerous and the sky is black and you can tell the wind is blowing and whipping and it just looks dangerous and it looks scary and they're like what was this guy thinking this isn't peace. This is the opposite of peace. This is chaos. This is destruction. This is horrible. Like, why did we even ask this guy to submit something? Maybe, maybe he read the message wrong. And they're sitting there talking about this horrible picture. And one of the judges notices something. And he draws all the other judges over to their, to their attention. And he, there in the lower corner of this painting is a rock. One of those big old chunky rocks. And in the corner of that rock is two birds in a nest. And if you're able to picture this, the look on those birds' faces was utter tranquility. Utter peace. They weren't worried about no storm. Because they knew the rock had them. Peace, brothers and sisters, the peace that the angels sing about, the peace that occurs when we are at peace with Him, doesn't mean there won't be storms. Doesn't mean there, there won't be hard times. It means that when we enter, into those hard times. We know where our rock is. We know we stand with the God of all creation. And that we are in his hand. And no storm can rage against us. That is not overcomable. No path of life is something too big for him. We are secure in him. We are secure in his hand. We are secure in his love because we are at peace with him and it doesn't matter what happens around us. He's got you. I'm thankful. I'm thankful this morning that we can have that reminder that no matter what we face, he's got us. If we are at peace with him, if we understand this peace that the angels sing, that we can face anything that comes before us. And in the same region, 
There were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign you will, for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I'm going to invite the praise team to come back up. And I would just invite you this morning. If you know that peace, remember it today and sing praises with us. If you have never known him, then this is your opportunity to know peace that goes beyond understanding. This is your opportunity to know peace that goes through storms and says, I know my rock. I know where my footing is. I know that I am safe and I will not fear. Let me pray with us. Father, we just come before you this morning. And we are in we are in awe of you. Lord, I pray that as we think about what you have done through your son Jesus Christ, think about the sacrifice that he made, think about the life that he lived, to think about who he is and what he has done in bringing the possibility of peace between us and a holy God. Lord, that that would overwhelm us. That our salvation would overwhelm us to what it means, to what it has done. Or that we would remember that it's something we can never lose, that we can never fall out of your grasp. Or that we will never be, never have to fear the storms the way that the world fears the storms. Father, I pray this morning that you would be with us as a people. Lord, help us to worship this morning in light of this peace, in light of this sacrifice, in light of this great gift. Father, I pray that you would be with those that are in our church family, Lord, who are facing those storms. That you would remind them that you've got them. That you are at peace with them. Lord, and that would cause great blessing and great thankfulness, great rest. Lord, we pray all of this in the beautiful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You can stand with us in worship this morning. But this morning you respond to God as, you, as he's leading you.